You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. Hey, I'm starting a new sermon series, and we did not even announce it, but we're going to do Stand Firm. The church all over the world is reading some lectionary passages, and um, coming up for the next five weeks, is, is, is uh, we're going to do some First Peter. We're going to spend some time in the, uh, the letter of First Peter, a couple weeks here in First Peter, actually. And uh, we're going to be exploring those themes. If you don't know, it's from the Apostle Peter, who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, He's the one who walked on water. He's the one who betrayed Jesus. He's the one who was kind of the head of the church there for a long time. And our Catholic brothers and sisters see him as the first pope. And his letter comes at the end of his life, maybe 30, 40 40 years after uh, Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And he is leading some churches, and he's an old man now, and he is trying to uh, write to them his wisdom before he passes on. And he's writing to a, a generation, well, I, I just kind of said this, older and in charge of his church, passing along wisdom before he passes on. And he's writing to his church. But the church is scattered, scattered all over the known world at this point. And so his opening line says, to God's chosen exiles in the world of the diaspora. And I love this opening line. In the Greek right there, chosen exiles are right there. And I think that sets up so clearly the tension that they faced and the tension that we face. Chosen exiles. Because the tension in that, it's between being children of God, beloved, joyful, Holy Spirit inspired, and living in a world that's full of hardship and problems and difficulty and pain. And how do we reconcile being God's chosen children and living in a world that's hard and difficult and has lots of pain associated with it? And he sticks it right in the beginning of his intro. We are chosen exiles. And he wants, that's what the whole theme of the book is about. He wants to talk about how do we live in a world where this is our reality. This is our tension, where we hold both being God's uh, children, God being our father, and the world being hard to live in especially for people who follow Jesus. It just feels extra hard because we could get ahead if we played by the world's rules, but we choose not to. And so it it just feels like it can be extra hard for those of us who are following Jesus in in this midst. That's, That's the bad news. That's the tension that we have to hold. And so that's my question for us all. So we try to do right. We try to live right. We try to treat each other's right treat each other's, treat each other's, it does say each other's, each other's people, (laughs) and, and there is still a lot of hardship and pain for us, and so my question for us is, where do you feel this tension between being chosen and being exiles, do you feel it, is there a place for you where you're like, that's it, if you have an answer, go for it, I have answers for myself, well, I think for me, uh, when I saw this question, the one thing I think about is like how I connect with other people. So I've been invited to things that I wouldn't normally go to, yeah. um, you know, at places that I wouldn't normally want to go. Um, and so I feel a little bit of tension there. But for me, the way that I sift through that is like, what is the what is the purpose behind it? Yeah. Because I, I do think about the idea that, you know, um, God, Jesus, while he was walking earth, encountered a lot of spaces and a lot of places that 
we would think it would be controversial. Yeah. Uh, you know, the women at the well, um, you know, tax collectors, things like that. And Absolutely. so I take that as an example of it's not it is about the people and it is not about always about um, the, the place and the circumstance. Yeah. And that should not confine me and my connection with with God's people. So. Absolutely. That's part of the holding that tension, right, is sometimes we have to enter the world. We have to enter. Do you got one for us, Matt? Yeah. Um, I feel it when I think about <clears throat> the stuff that I want and the money that I want and, like, the earthly treasures that I want um, and don't need but just covet. Um, I feel that, you know, Julianne and I are, uh, right now we're building a house. Not everybody knows that, but we're building a house at our parents' property in. Um, we could have built a lot bigger one that we wouldn't have been able to afford as well. And we decided to go more kind of smaller with that um, and just going, how, you know, how does Jesus want us to act towards our stuff? And is it going to own me and serving two masters? So uh, where in America it would be like build the biggest thing you could possibly afford. Yeah. And so I feel the tension of just like uh, not wanting to serve two masters because I see a lot of people in our community, even even people who don't can't act like rich people. Yeah. Still act like rich people. Yeah. Right. And by, you know, and yeah. it's like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's like. We were talking the other week. I'm like, man, if we got a uh, where I really covet is a Tesla car. I want a Tesla so bad, <laughs> and I'm just like, I see it on the road, and I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, what's eight hundred dollars a month car payment? Like, we could do that because I really want that thing, and um, instead we drive a 2010 Corolla or you know yeah. whatever. So <laughs> it's Corolla life. So um, that's where I feel it. It's just the pursuit of stuff and serving two masters. I have a 2010 Corolla too. Hey, oh, our actually, I think ours is 2008, so yours is even oh nicer. Outholing me, where I feel this, te- I feel this tension all over the place. Piggybacking off you, Matt, with uh, with consumption, it is so hard to consume responsibly. It sounds like a beer commercial here, but every time we go to buy something, we have to think about all the ethics, the ethical situation dilemmas that we're in, like where it's coming from. What, what, oh, are, the, yeah. what are the conditions of the people who made it? Like I can buy the cheapest produced. stuff, but at the, at what what moral evils am I supporting? So there's a tension there. Um, the tension for me, I think I feel very deeply is politically that mm. we are in the world and we have this great responsibility as, as citizens of this country to vote and participate, but the politics are also dividing the body of Christ. Yeah, and so how do we hold politics and uh, being children of God? It, it really is a struggle for me and I see it being a struggle for the rest of us. And so, mm-hmm. man, there's just so much of this. You are chosen exiles. And I think that sits with us and, and, and Peter wants to speak into that. Um, so you know how I preach head, heart, hands. There's something for us to know with our heads, something for us to experience with our heart, and something for us to do with our hands um, going out into the world as we practice our faith. It gives us a holistic faith moving from our head to our heart to our hands and not getting bottlenecked up into something. And we're going to be reading from First Peter 1 through 3, breaking that up in chunks with each point. And uh, here's the first part. Starting with verse 3, may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be blessed. On account of his vast mercy, he has given us new birth. You have been born anew into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And you have a pure and enduring inheritance that cannot perish. An inheritance that is presently kept safe for you in heaven. Through his faithfulness, you are guarded by God's power so that you can receive the salvation he is ready to reveal in the last times. 
First point, what do I think Peter wants us to know in relationship to being chosen exiles with our head? Uh, it, It has to do with time, and it's this. He wants us to celebrate the past. He wants us to hold on to the future promise. My hand is off screen. And he wants us to know that we are protected in the present. Celebrate the past, hold on to future promise, and know that we're protected in the present. See what he says? You have been born anew into a living hope. That's your path. That's what God has done to all of us. As we've given our heart to Jesus, we've been born anew. That is good. That is God's faithfulness. And you have a great promise in the future. But right now is hard. And what he wants you to know is that you're guarded, that you're protected, that you're kept safe. Sometimes the present is overwhelming. Sometimes there's just a lot coming at us all at once. Uh, And sometimes the tyranny of the present or the trauma of the present just... uh, just it, it can keep us from moving forward. It can get us deadlocked, stood still right where we are. And so Peter is pushing us in the middle of hard times to remember God's faithfulness in the past and to hold on to those promises of the future. And I think this can be a really valuable tool, a great spiritual practice for us in overcoming present difficulties. It's to remember God's faithfulness in the past and God's faithful promises of the future. This is my daughter, Junia. Uh, she is lovely. Um, she had a splinter. My kids have been running around a little bit more. They've had a little more free space. Got a splinter in her foot. And as Aaron was taking it out, she got scared and nervous, as we all do. I remember my dad cutting my splinters out with knives and stuff. Um, <laughs> and she got nervous, stuff coming at her, or this a tender spot. And then she said, Aaron said, do you want me to stop? And she said, no, I've done harder things before. Oh, and Aaron goes, like what? Junie had her tonsils taken out, and and we had a lot of complications with that, and it was a lot of scary moments. And she goes, that time I had my tonsils taken out, I was okay. Sometimes there's a way when we remember God's faithfulness in the past that it helps us to face the present difficulties with courage and strength. And Peter's asking us to do that. Remember that you were born anew. Remember that you have a promise in the future that is safeguarded and that God is guarding you right now. My question for you all, are you a person that looks forward to the future? It's a light question. Or someone that looks uh, back on good times, and how is that helpful for you? You looking back, you looking forward, how does that help you? Go for it. I, I tend to look back. I'm an, I get extremely nostalgic, and uh, I indulge in nostalgia all the time. Um, uh, British people probably wouldn't like that, but <laughs> I, I think about good times all the time. I th- but I, I also think about painful times. And how it's like, ooh, I don't want to go back there, you know. Yeah. So um, I usually tend to look towards the past. Uh, but being newly married, we're, we're, we're having our 10-month anniversary Woo! on Monday or Tuesday. Anyways, being newly married, we look towards the future a lot now, though, in our discussions. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't somebody who really did. Yeah. I, I just always thought about the old times and where I've been and what I've come through. And, you know, over the first couple of months here of the year, we listened to Daily Audio Bible. And a lot of it is about the story of uh, uh, the Jews and, and um, what Moses led them through. And, man, they just forgot, like, every week yeah. what God had brought them through. Yeah. And so um, I, I don't really identify with that. I think all the time and grateful all the time of what um, – but I also get negative about the future. So, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. and I don't put a lot of hope in the future. So um, I think that there's a good balance there to Absolutely. have in personal life of Absolutely. both. And so that's yeah. probably something to work on. Yeah. Um, 
I think I, I think I struggle with this question a little bit. Yeah, go for it. Uh, because I, I'm definitely a planner. Um, you know, going back to to my roots, my in my Enneagram three, I'm a planner. Uh, so I'm constantly thinking about things in the future, like even as far as like today, like what are what is the rest of the things that are happening today, and how is that going to plan out? So I feel like that affects my present and my future, but also like. I'm constantly thinking about my past as I plan for the future. Yeah. So like, I don't know, story from yesterday, we're planning um, a new barn structure for my kids are in FFA uh, and we raise pigs yeah. or they raise a uh, swine project. And so we're, we are putting together a new uh, living quarters for those animals. And my husband said to me yesterday, I said, did you did you order the concrete yet? And he said, no, we're just going to go in Monday morning, eight o'clock. It'll be fine. And I said, do you think you might want to call and just make sure that, you know, we can get that reserved or they're not sold out or whatever. And, uh, you know, he, he balked at me a little bit, but sure. He ended up calling and, and they were actually sold out Monday morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was joking with my kids. You know, I don't like to be right, but I'm constantly looking at my past and where things like that have gone awry for yeah. me. And it affects the way that I'm working in the present and, uh, planning for the future. Absolutely. So anyways, yeah. I think I, li- I, uh, go between all three of them. You're welcome, constantly. Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Jeff. Uh, I think I look to the future. I like having things to look forward to. But as they've all alluded to, this is a double-edged sword. You do not want to dwell in the past. You don't want to dwell in the future because you can get stuck there and never enjoy your present. You're constantly looking forward to or constantly reminiscing about how great things were. And we have a way of making the future better than it's going to be or making the past seem better than it was. Um, but I think the the positive side of this double-edged sword is that um, when times are hard, it is important to try to remember the faithfulness of God. Yeah. We got, some what does Facebook land Facebook, tell us? Yeah. Gary. Hi, Gary. Uh, I tend not to look back or forward. I'm stuck in the present. I think that's a lot of people, especially right now, because yeah. you're just kind of in your house and looking at the wall. And yeah. and also, Gary, know, we know, too, that you were kind of struggling with some health stuff and not able to leave your house before this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's a lot of people right now. Um, uh, Kirsten says, future, but try to appreciate the present. That's probably mm. the, a good attitude yeah. to have, to yeah. look forward to the future, but yeah. um, uh, but appreciate what, you know, yeah. what the blessings of today. So, Kirsten, thanks for sharing. Thanks, Facebook land. Here's the next part of our passage. He says, you now rejoice in this hope, even if it's necessary for you to be distressed for a short time by various trials. Ain't no one going through various trials right now, are they? No. This is necessary, these various trials, so that your faith may be found genuine. Your faith is more valuable than gold, which will be destroyed even though it is itself tested by fire. Your genuine faith will result in praise, glory, and honor for you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And although you've never seen Jesus, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, maybe it's hard to see him right now, you trust him And so rejoice with a glorious joy that is too much for words. You are receiving the goal of your faith, your salvation. Here's my next point, the heart point. Troubling times are invitations to take our trust to the next level. Troubling times are invitations to take our trust to the next level. Here's where I see that in Peter. Even though you don't see him now, you trust him. And so you rejoice with a glorious joy that is too much for words. Here's what Peter's saying. We have to experience discomfort to grow. It's just part of what happens. When we are comfortable, we don't grow. We don't move. Things are good. Discomfort moves us. It pushes us forward or back, which we'll get to in the next point. 
And so Peter tells us that various trials are necessary for, so our faith can be strengthened and refined like gold in fire, purified, strengthened, made more valuable. But as our trust is exercised, like our muscles, it grows and grows, this trust, faith thing that we have. And the sweet gains you receive are joy. Can I keep going with the metaphor? You're going to get so swole <laughs> with the gains Go there. <laughs> rejoicing with a glorious joy that is too much for words. The result of deeper faith, the result of deeper trust is greater joy that can only come from Jesus. It's indescribable. It is not like, yeah, things are going well or it's not so bad right now. As we put our trust deeper into Jesus, uh, joy grows out of that. And it, and it is an indescribable joy. You, you can't even explain it. It's just Jesus joy. And so my question for us, do you even suffer, bro? Do you even <laughs> suffer, bro? Do you even, do you even suffer various trials, bro? Um, tell us a story about your sense of your a sense of trust deepening, maybe through, through hard times. That's a big question. Go for it. Um, uh, well, my brain instantly goes to um, uh, talking about marriage of just like, man, I was so, <laughs> Jesus is already laughing because he was. So we met in a pastor's group, and just every week I would just come to this group and be like, dude, I am, I love Julianne. She's perfect for me. We should totally get married, but I don't know about this marriage thing. Like, I am psyched out. Like, I, I've seen too many people struggle in marriage, and I've seen too many marriages dissolve, and I've seen too much upheaval and battle, and I just don't know if I can handle it. And I don't, and I was super nervous about getting married, and, um, she uh, just held my hand through it and walked me through it and was so patient with me. And um, she convinced me in the best way possible. And my life is totally better and totally changed. And I see all the blessings of it now. Yeah. And um, so... Uh, Your trust grew. My trust deepened uh, because of uh, what she was willing to do. And yeah. I, she gets seriously all the credit Um because yeah. I, I that that was the thing is like I tell people like I don't know I I I don't know if I ever would have gotten married except for to Julianne like yeah. uh, and because of what she did and just who she is so the trust uh, deepening definitely that's where it I mean that's probably the number one thing in my whole life of just yeah. That was a big change. James will tell you more about that later if you want to know. <laughs> trust, it was, trust deepened I mean, and your joy blossomed. It was a big change. Let's get change. cheesy with right. it, but that's what we're talking about here. It's a hard question. Do you have an answer for us, Miranda? Sure. So um, this is a little bit vulnerable, but in 2007, uh, my husband and I bought a house. Um, and I think you all can go with me down a little bit of a memory lane. But in 2008, things uh, oh. took a fast turn financially for a lot of people, and it did, and it did for us. And so um, in 2008, we delivered um, a brand-new baby in October. Uh, my husband lost his job. Um, I was also on maternity leave. Uh, finances were beyond what we could afford um, and so, needless to say, ultimately we made some decisions going into that home um, that we were just very hopeful and wanted it, uh, but they weren't very financially sound decisions. And ultimately, we lost our home. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I think the way that I saw my trust deepen uh, with God in, in those moments was 
literally everything was outside of my control. Um, I did not know where we were going to live. I did not know where he was going to find another job. I did not know what I was going to do. I also got accepted into the nursing program <laughs> during that same exact yeah. time. Uh, New baby. Yeah. yeah. My yeah. grandmother also passed away wow. uh, shortly after that. So she was very sick through that time. And so there was just a lot of, of, of complete unknowns. Yeah. Um, and when I finally was able to get connected with some, uh, it, it was Randy, get, getting connected with Randy Shepard yeah. uh, was really, uh, who used to be a pastor at our sister church across the way, Foothill Community. Um, and she's still very deeply rooted in, in the faith and doing big things uh, on the other side of the U.S. But um, she helped me through that, helped me get uh, my faith rerooted um, and ultimately you know, God brought us out of that. Um, we are in a very good place now. We are deeply rooted now in yeah. Thermalito, bought a new home. Um, but like you were saying, growing through, we had to feel some growth um, yeah. and some a lot of pains yeah. to grow out of that, make better financial decisions, yeah. um, but also trusting that ultimately uh, that house is not where we were supposed to be. Yeah. Um, we were supposed to be in Thermalito. Yeah. We were supposed to be here at the Table Church. Yeah. And we couldn't have seen any of that. And it, going yeah. through it in those moments, we couldn't have seen any of that yeah. but it was faith yeah so the various trials yeah yeah that sounds like a lot and feeling like like you said rerooted in your faith those are incredible stories thank you so much both for sharing um peter is really encouraging us to experience a deepening of faith in the middle of present problems and really joy can be the fruit that comes from that a glorious joy he says uh, that is indescribable Facebook land? Um, just a lot of amens. Oh, good. Thank you. With our hands, what is Peter asking us to do? Uh, with this knowledge that we're being protected, with this encouragement to think about our past and our future, and to um, experience a deepening of trust in the middle of present difficulties, uh, I think there's three ways to handle hardship. We can be hurt by the pain, uh, we can handle the pain, or we can harness the pain. Uh, Triple H, for those of you, if you needed a good memory, um, many of us get stuck in the hurt of the pain and hardship. We just get stuck in the hurt of it, and it and sticks with us for a very long time. And that's something we either reconcile, maybe it's subconscious, but we just are hurt by pain, hurt by pain, and it continues to hurt us. It's a wound that stays open. But I think more of us get stuck in the handling of the pain. Uh, you are very good at handling your pain. Excellent copers. You have lots of different ways to cope. I don't know what yours are. Mine tends to be around food, uh, a yes. 10, 10 p.m. bowl of cereal. Nothing fills in the cracks of all that pain <laughs> than that sugary cereal milk. shaped heart. Oh, uh, man. Oh. What about TV? TV, checking out, right? Um, alcohol, drugs, sex, drive through Taco Bell. What, I don't know what mm -hmm. it is for, for y'all. But you're excellent copers, and you've handled your pain. And when you've handled it, that's enough, right? Like, it's handled. And I think Peter encourages us to go one step further. Uh, Richard Rohr says, it's a little bit longer of a quote, so hang in there with me. All healthy religion shows you what to do with your pain. With the absurd, the tragic, the nonsensical, the unjust, the undeserved, all of which eventually come into every lifetime, yours, mine, theirs. He says, if we do not transform our pain, we will most assuredly transmit it, mm -hmm. pass it on. Usually to those closest to us, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, and invariably the most vulnerable among us, our children. Hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. So we got to 
make a choice between transforming it or transmitting it. Handling it is not good enough. Peter wants us to harness the pain and the hardship. And here's where I'm seeing that. You now rejoice in this hope. Even if it's necessary for you to be distressed for a short time by various trials, this is necessary so that your faith may be found genuine. If you could face your trials as something that is inevitably coming and you can harness it, you can move forward to produce a genuine faith. The rapper DMX. <laughs> in his roar at DMX. <laughs> what y'all really want. In his video for slipping, says, to live is to suffer. To survive is to find meaning in the suffering. He is mm -hmm. actually quoting Friedrich Nietzsche, but I love that DMX is quoting Nietzsche in his X song. going to bring it to you. <laughs> so, if you don't get that good. <laughs> <laughs> to live is to suffer. To find meaning in the suffering is, is surviving. And so letting the Holy Spirit turn our troubles into transformation is rocket fuel for your faith transforming that pain, letting it be fuel for you, appropriating it and not letting it overwhelm you. you. It's not owning you. You are making it grow you by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is the key. This is the key to growth in the faith. So my question is, what are some practical <laughs> ways to use our struggles to help us get strong? Can you think of any? That's a big question. I don't know if they have an answer. We don't talk about these beforehand. But can you think of any practical ways that we can use our uh, suffering, our pain, our hardship, the things that we're going through to help us grow? Um, I think the, the, the first way, uh, place that my brain goes is by helping others with it. I know for me, like in my life, hearing other people's struggles yeah. and addictions and coping mechanisms, and that was hugely transformative to me uh, to hear that, you know, you think uh, like at least with coping mechanisms, you think of the normal ones, you yeah, know, you, right. it's like uh, that one extra glass of alcohol or, you know, that one doing drug or whatever else. But you, it took friends that I love dearly um, to admit that it's not just those. It can be a cheese. If you retreat to a cheeseburger, then that's a that's one, too. And so for me, it was a, a practical way to use it to help others get strong is just sharing your story and to share yeah. uh, your struggles and to share your mechanisms and go, uh, let's be transparent about this and let's be honest about yeah. where we struggle so that we can help each other. Um, it's hard to help yourself in that way, I feel like, because you know, you're like, well, yeah, but I'm super messed up. But to know that other people are super <laughs> as super messed up as you are, I think is really helpful. Yeah. <clears throat> the dark side of, of, of this is that pain can make us cynical or yeah. it can make us have a low self-esteem yeah, right. if we just suffer in silence. But as we get vulnerable and we open up to other people, it can make us sympathetic and empathetic mm -hmm. to what other people and are going through. And then we're all through. in the same boat. Yeah. And so I love That's excellent. Other people, that's a great, that's a great thing there. Yeah. I, I was just piggybacking on yeah. what Matt said. I think just we can find some connectedness in it because as we do get vulnerable and as we do, uh, you know, break down those walls of I have to maintain a perfect um, Instagram picture, perfect, you know, um, persona that we can really find connection to people when we say, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm walking through this thing. I'm walking through this hard thing or yeah. whatever it is that you 
once you start breaking down those walls, uh, once you start being truthful with yourself, because I do think, you know, you said uh, it's hard to do with yourself, but um, I find that it needs to happen, though, because mm -hmm. I can hide from myself just as easily as I can hide from other people. That didn't happen. I, um, and so, I, yeah, I just think being truthful about the struggles, um, finding connection with other people that may be going through the same thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's the only practical thing I can think of is just being honest. Yeah, I love it. That's a great point. Erin had something really good here. She says, hi, Erin. Uh, by the way, thanks to Erin for all her social media. Uh, she just is a rock star with and all graphics. That. She's and the mastermind she, behind this whole deal. Like if you got here today, it's probably because of her. Anyways, um, she says, instead of using our pain or anger to create a blazing fire that's out of control, we harness it and use it to cook and create something beautiful and delicious. Yeah. I like that. Instead of you, uh, wild, creating a wildfire with our emotions, yeah. but to harness it. Absolutely. I don't know why, but it's a stupid metaphor, but I think about uh, the X-Men uh, Cyclops. Yeah. When he first gets his powers, like he doesn't have glasses. So anytime he <laughs> opens his eyes, he's just shooting lasers and just blowing up everything. And Professor X helps him get the goggles, you know, so he could control the... Yeah. It's a dumb metaphor, I but I it. think about that of just yeah. like harnessing power to... Yeah to make it useful yeah. and um i love that that's, that's not practically applicable to you unless you <laughs> shoot lasers out of your eyes <laughs> i think lastly how the practical way i don't know if it's practical but if we can look at our own suffering in con context in light of jesus's suffering and not to say like well jesus had it worse so like I, i'm not a big fan of like well other people have it worse than i do and we try to minimize our own pain and suffering yeah no uh, there's a line in a song right now by John Mark McMillan. He says, I don't have an answer for bruised knees or cancers, but a savior who suffers them with me. And, mm. and this is one of the most beautiful things to me about Jesus. Out of all the other religions, these, these gods sit on these mountaintops and dispense wisdom. But our faith at the center of our faith is, is God bleeding and dying and suffering for us. And, uh, so I think at the very least, I don't know, Peter's not ever going to give us an answer for suffering. He's never going to tell us this is why we suffer. This is why we have pain. This is why we have hardship. But he is going to constantly point to Jesus, that Jesus is present with us. And so I think there's a way in which, um, when we struggle, uh, we can know that Jesus empathizes and sympathizes with us. And that'll help us get strong because Jesus is present in our suffering. He's not distant. He's not causing it. He's not punishing us. He is present, not punishing, but present. Oh, man, that is like such an important word right now with a lot of uh, there's a lot of bad theology and a lot of bad uh, televangelism that's going, you know, God's punishing our world for, you know, yeah. and, and that's he's using COVID. To, yeah. And so I appreciate that you're. Oh, Bring yeah. that out. Thank you. Yeah. not God isn't punishing, but present. Uh, that, that's how I illness. feel. At least God hasn't told me anything other, other than that. Here's my summary for today, and then we're going to move into a time of communion. If you have your elements, uh, get them ready. With our head, God wants us to know, experience, feel in our head, or think. Know you're protected in the present, but hold on to the faithfulness of God in the past and the promised future as well. With our heart, uh, God wants us to experience a deeper level of trust and, and an indescribable joy as we exercise that deeper, deeper level of trust with our hands. What does he want us to do? He wants us to harness the suffering, harness the pain, harness the hardship through the Holy Spirit that we may be healed mm -hmm. and our lives transformed and we are not transmitting that pain onto the people around us. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come before you with great praise now. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this timely word that speaks into maybe our present moment. 
our present difficulties, our various trials. Would you help us, Lord? We need your help. We are desperate for your help. There are just ways in which we act or think or feel that are not what we want, that are not the desires that we have as people who follow you closely. So would your Holy Spirit be be healing us and be using these obstacles, these trials, these difficulties that arise as learning opportunities and healing opportunities that we can bring them before you and that you could take our mess and that you could turn it into something beautiful, amazing. We come now before you in this time of communion. This bread and this juice reminds us of your broken body and your suffering and your spilled blood. Would it be a balm for us, a healing salve for us? Would it be spiritual nourishment for us that we can step outside of the various trials and see what's really going on and see the ways that you're working within us? We thank you. We give you praise and thanks and say these things in Jesus' name. Amen.